Goddamn right it is. <laughs> okay, welcome to Movie Night Extravaganza, episode 44. Um, yeah, we're really moving along with these episodes, I think. Um, it feels like every month we've like jumped another 10. But um, uh, all right, I'm here with J. Andrew World, co-host extraordinaire. And salty. And you're salty? Yeah, somebody spoiled the movie for me, but we'll get into that. Oh. <laughs> I'm salty about that. All right. Well, also here with Conan Neutron, other co-host uh, who is in a hotel room right now, which is why he doesn't have his usual, you know, uh, very impressive setup behind him, I think. Um, how's I it bet going? you didn't know I played in the band. Look at all the guitars in the back. Yeah, that setup. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I am, of course, sweet to Andy's salty. Uh, and, of, <laughs> and of course, uh, I'm also the host of Protonic Reversal Podcast and uh the aforementioned band that I play in, uh, which I'm very notable tonight, but we'll get to that. Yeah, uh, I'm, in a, I'm in a hotel, and uh, here we go. Cool, right on. How's, how's, really how's the vacation so far? Is it stressful enough, or is it? Yes, it, it's it's all family stuff, so what do you think? Mm. <laughs> it's, it's a, yeah. 
The right. suit well, is uh, just crushing it, though. So thank you. Well, thank you. Got Someone the bolo tie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Someone tried. <laughs> See exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Like, although I'll, Andy, Andy was very well dressed for the Buckaroo Banzai episode, more so than Nathan Robinson, I would say. Yeah, he dressed so up for Nathan Robinson, expecting that Nathan Robinson was going to wear something like extravagant. And then, and then he... <laughs> it's not as bad right. as like going to a party you think is a costume party, and it's not. Uh, but it was it was notable. But it's okay because you did all the talking on that show. Yeah, everyone's yeah, like, no, "This is no, a weird no. ass movie," and Andy's like, "Here's another thing about Buckaroo Banzai." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like like it is like ingrained into me. Like like uh, I can just you know spout out lyric, you know lines for no reason. Uh, at one point when uh, I first got we'll a call back Tourette's or my, where I'm from, but go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually had my uh, computer set up so like if you hit the wrong button, you just hear Buckaroo's voice going, "No, no, 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 don't talk about that." You never know what it might be attached to. Um, <laughs> so so it was it was great, you know. The now classic right. episode from last week, yes. And yeah, the classic, the last, the last. It doesn't feel like the last episode because I've been on like two different streams since then with Kenzo. But you know, all right. We're also joined by Erica Stroud, who's a um, Georgia-based filmmaker, music video director, and musician. Uh, half of the music duo Dream wow. Tent plays guitar and sings in Motherfucker and the live band of Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends. Wow! Thank you. Ooh. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> You're impressed by yourself. You put all <laughs> yeah, that was pretty great. That's yeah, I, I, I have something. I have something written down because I realized I'm terrible at introductions without doing that. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> I'm busy. <laughs> also joined by Francesca Florentini, who's a, a comedian, host, and journalist who has worked on AJ Plus, MSNBC, has a podcast called The Bituation Room, regularly appears on TYT as a commentator. Um, yeah. Second, second big uh, TYT guest that we've had, uh, Anna Kasparian came on to talk about Blue Velvet a couple weeks ago. Oh God, amazing! And uh, did not, <laughs> did not, did not care for it whatsoever. <laughs> oh. she, she was the salty one that episode. <laughs> I can imagine. I can very much imagine. I got to listen to that now. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Thanks yeah. Um, this is a this is a good um, I think movie to talk about. Um, because it, it ended up becoming um, a lot more progressive than I thought it was going to be uh, watching through the first half of it. And um, like the, the geopolitics of it, I think, are extremely interesting. Um, not the yeah. first thing, I guess, that's like not not the most important thing about the movie, I guess. But I, I did. You it know. seems like it's going to be, though, when it starts. It seems like it's going to be pretty important. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it seems also like, honestly, even though uh, squid people arrive on Earth to bestow a language upon us, um, that like the idea that China would be the first one to strike is the most unbelievable part of this entire film <laughs> yeah. to me. Like, like <laughs> actually the fact that the United States would be like, hang on, we've got to pull the reins back on this militarism. Like, no, like that, I, I suspended belief for everything else, but that I cannot abide. Well, well I mean, it's, it's that trope you see in a lot of uh, science fiction of like, you know, the U S being the benevolent heroes. Um, even the, uh, like, even if the film admits like our shameful history, it, it will still present like, like, uh, Stargate, for example, uh, the TV series is a great example where, mm -hmm. where they had an episode where, where they were trying to steal uh, a type of mineral from, uh, native Americans that they found on a planet. And, and I mean, it wasn't, it was very ham-fisted, but you know, right. uh, at this, you know, the U S was the bad guys, also the good guys. So. You know, they, they do that a lot in these kind of movies. This is another movie, I think, where we're kind of the bad guys, but also the good guys. But it kind of does the um, 
classic like uh almost i think i was thinking about like day of the dead where it's like you know um science versus the military you know where mm. you have like kind of the and that's kind of like the liberal dream right like something and it's never the way that things actually happen but like there's a um like like people people that the military somehow works with are so confident that they like save the day at the last minute from the military doing something rash and fucking everything up because we just have like some technocratic person or some bureaucrat or some scientist that happens to be so competent and so um, right about the way that they feel and so like righteous that like they end up saving the day at the last minute, putting their life on the line. And the military is like, oh, wow, well, you know, I guess we really screwed this one up. And, uh, you know, so that's like kind of the the, the technocratic dream, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. And, and somehow miraculously that nerd is listened to like that, that, that <laughs> right. also it's unbelievable. Which never happens ever. Yeah, yeah. exactly. In I mean, <laughs> in a way, that's why like the right hates Fauci so much. It's like, ah, oh, the nerd can't win. You know what I mean? Like, why is he the hero? Like, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're all like nerds. Exactly. <laughs> the, the geeks. No, but yeah, it, it is. I wish that it played out like that. But but yeah, you're right. In every a lot of these films, um, someone like listens to uh, yeah. the science for once, and it and, works and out. Or, it the, or even crazier, the linguist in yeah. this case, the woman linguist. We might add. <laughs> the <Yes>. linguist. <laughs> and also, Speaking also the fact that it's a linguist, linguist, and the only really um like really really famous linguist I can think of is like Chomsky. So it's funny imagining like a young <laughs> Noam Chomsky as the as the hero of this movie. <laughs> Like a very different mm. movie, but like, yeah, it's like by it. Sam Cedar, which you know they didn't mention zero sub game, so it wouldn't have been a stretch. <laughs> I mean, to me, it's like it—it's that female-centric sort of theme too, where it's like, it's you know, Alien does it too, where they have a woman as the central character, and the story is like kind of her story, but it's got this argument, this like, uh, I don't know, like people who act you know, out of fear and then people who are more self-aware and like, you know, kind of like, are like, oh, this is crazy, but like, let's take a second and like take a leap of faith or something. And like, mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. We'd, we'd be able to accomplish world peace uh, and like, you know, put our differences aside with China and Russia. If only all these men would get out of the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't disagree. Uh, I mean, uh... <laughs> maybe not these men, of course, not all men, but <laughs> hashtag not yeah. all men if and you want to take one thing know, away from this podcast yeah people uh, like hillary clinton you know who, who, who never cooed honduras or anything like that oh, yeah. never never you know fear you know done up fear for russia and china as as secretary of state never china um <laughs> no but so I, I i like this movie though and yeah. i mean so going going into that like technocratic uh dream aspect where it's like she also has to like do her like she actually has to save the day at gunpoint and it's like the cia guy that's like pointing a bunch of guns at her when she mm. you know when she runs away with his cell phone and actually like calls the general the general secretary of china yeah. to save the day like it's not even it's not even just that like oh finally like they listen to the woman and, and things get saved it's like no it's like you know it's someone who's a, a scientist but also like or in this case a linguist so brave that they have to like that they that they're willing to like put their life fully on the line like run in front of a bunch of guns and then be like, listen, I'm I'm gonna save the day. I've seen the future. It's so mm -hmm. much like uh, I don't know. It's such a such a leap of faith to even believe that part of it. That it's like, I mean, and then, it's then like Hawkeye's just you know a normal guy would just be like, woman, you're crazy. I'm getting out of the way. I ain't getting shot. 
Yeah, and he puts his body on. I don't know. It's just. A... I like that you're just referring to him as Hawkeye, by the way, yeah. as if that's the only character that that guy could play. He's well, Hawkeye and everything. Your name is Hawkeye now. Yeah, uh, he is Hawkeye, Jeremy Renner. Um, it, it was weird also to me because like I know him from like yeah, Hurt Locker, right? That's who we're talking yeah, about. Really? Just he was in that movie. I just yeah. remember him from uh, National Lampoon Senior Trip. I knew you were gonna bring that up. I was like, he's gonna say it. He's gonna say it. <laughs> uh yeah so i was like yeah how is this guy gonna be like some pro-war douchebag but luckily he was i think a little more interesting than that i do think you know you're talking about clinton this is a very 2016 film in a way because it is like oh we're listening to the female linguist before we attack you know these spheres or whatever we're working internationally on like a geopolitical zoom call uh and everyone's bringing to the table what they've learned like it is very like forward thinking for for the like you know the liberal mindset of like everything's moving in the right direction it's all great oh we had obama then we'll have hillary and yeah no one honduras just had an election um a democratic election anyway boop -a -doo. like like it is for i think a certain kind of vision of america that absolutely does not exist but it's like you know uh it's cute it's like quaint like oh isn't that sweet yeah back to brunch and, and and even and even like in i mean i don't know like I, it does show overt militarism i think and the fact that like i think the most accurate part of the like the politics of it is that we've kind of created a straw man um for you know russia and china and we're never thinking about what are russia and china actually going to do we're thinking about like what is the version of like scary russia and china that we've created in our minds and like the u.s u.s military industrial complex like what are they going to do mm -hmm. and so Throughout this movie, like, you know, China goes dark. And then the first thing is like, oh, they've like Russia's executed their scientists. Um, they're gonna, you know, fire a bunch of rockets at it and like try to kill it. Like, this is like our version of like what would we do if we were Russia and China and we were uh given a threat. Meanwhile, on TV, you see like, I don't know, China kind of takes a nationalist posture, I guess, and is like, I think everybody should kind of um, you know, because you know, use weapon, I guess, is kind of a I wish the aliens had said something different, you know what I mean? Like, but um, I, so I don't know. I found it. I found it that that part of it interesting. It's like we're reacting to like a militaristic straw man, and then the same way with uh, Russia and China. I think doing kind of the same thing, which I mean I don't necessarily know is the case, but um, I don't. I I think it's. I think I I, I thought the movie was going to go in a very different direction from there, and like mm. the fact that at the end of it they've just kind of been. I mean, spoiler alert! If you're listening this far, I I don't want to you know leave spoilers out of it. You know, world peace is kind of the 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 end the end game at least for the moment i think um they have to kind of pull us back from the brink uh you know of, of destroying ourselves in order to have us last for three thousand years so we can help them out later um mm -hmm. galactic yeah. peace it, it's Which... also like maybe imagining like as i'm saying you know i don't think china would have would strike first it is generally a pretty uh soft power um yes let me put up a, a a road and a mine in your town uh, so I can reap the benefits, but like, I'm not going to put a base in your country yeah. type country. But like, you could imagine if this was like, you know, 50 years into the future, maybe that it would, you know, where China is not just on the rise, but is on top. Sorry, mm -hmm. America. Um, and the United States is kind of second fiddle. And so when China wants to go to war, it's like, I right, we're doing it. 
So, <laughs> so I think I could see it in, in that aspect. Um, but the China of now, I, I don't understand how that even works out. I will say it was funny that all the unrest, what country did they keep on cutting to was like Venezuela. Remember yeah. that? It was like China, <laughs> Russia, Venezuela. Oh, these Venezuelans, they're just going crazy. Well, you know how like, they are. They don't have toilet paper. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Socialism. Like, yeah. Maduro <laughs> tried to redistribute the actual aliens. You know what I mean? They landed. He tried to redistribute the aliens. And, you know, Venezuela is just going crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, well, okay. So two things. So, so first of all, just real quick, I don't think it does the thing that a lot of movies do, though, where it lays into the political uh, kind of frames that we've so many big action movies lay into. I think it. I think it, it's a fault. It's like it leads you to think it's going to. Yes. And then it then it turns it around completely, and that's one of the things I love about it. Because I was like, hey, this movie's, you know, this movie's awesome enough, even if it's doing this thing that I think is tired and overplayed and doesn't agree with my political worldview. Cool, I'm down with it. And then I was like, oh, that's cool. And that's what made it special to me. And that's what made it really. Also, I want to hear what Erica's got to say about literally the last 20 minutes of discussion (laughs) as well. (laughs) You want to know what I think about the last 20 minutes? Yeah, no, just. Of your life. Of this yes. discussion? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, or the movie. Um, okay. I'm trying to drag into the conversation in well, a funny manner. I'm not no, a professional I, comedian, but I'm sorry. no, I'm just taking it in because I um honestly when I was watching it, I didn't really think that far into the politics of it. I that was not I don't know, when I watched it, it just felt like such a personal story that I mm-hmm. I wasn't it just you know, so that's why I'm like, Oh, this is I didn't think about this stuff. This is great. <laughs> No, I forgot about I forgot about things like uh like Thoris Whitaker's character about oh these are the approved words, right? Like mm. things like that of like right. oh yeah. that's like hmm, that's weird that he's saying that. Okay. Like, you know, th- thing, I, little things like that on rewatch, I was like, oh, like that really struck out of me. Of like, oh, there's sort of like through lines and like uh you can cross uh you can uh, connect the dots for a lot of things earlier mm-hmm. on to kind of see where it's going in that way. And it's I mean, not that it's, oh, who could have predicted newsflash? It, it's yeah. that kind of good, you know, that that good uh, America, um, because because of those good individuals on the ground, you know, not the people yes. who are behind the scenes. It's it's uh, again yeah. going back to like Stargate, uh, you know, is is a is a beautiful example of that. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> moving to extravaganza, brought to you by Stargate SG One, streaming somewhere, <laughs> I'm sure. Letterbox, Letterbox never got back to us on uh, on sponsorships, so and now we're looking, you know. Now yeah, we're looking yes. at, at old Stargate. movies. Holler. No, I think that's exactly why it's good is because it's personal. I mean, other than this film and granted, like, look, y'all sent me a lot of sci-fi films and I was like, to be honest, I haven't seen a lot of them, but I have heard that Arrival is good. And my other favorite sci-fi aliens you know, movie is Contact with Jodie Foster, yeah. which is mm-hmm. also deeply uh excuse me deeply uh personal uh, at mm-hmm. the same time that she's like you know going on this mission for humanity and you know you you could be like you know there's a there's a small part of like a feminist part of me that might be like why why can't we just be the uh you know sort of idiot meatheads that just like drill <laughs> a fucking into an asteroid and then you know like whatever uh like steven tyler sings us a song but you know what i'm saying like (laughs) like 
but it, it is be. nice that it's personal. And I'd like to see more. I think what's the one Matthew McConaughey that that had some oh, personal uh, uh, interstellar? Huh? Oh, interstellar also oh, had okay. another one. Yeah, oh yeah, what? contact with with McConaughey. Contact. I no, you're that. right. It did. Then I realized. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, I totally agree that like a couple things of why I like this as a as an alien film is because um, it's the same reason I like horror films that are more suspense than they are gore or like direct horror. Is mm. there was um, sort of a an elegance and a mystery to the aliens that I, I thought was excellently done. It was like really, I would almost say tasteful. So there's like tasteful alien stuff and there's not tasteful alien stuff. And then the other thing is, again, the personal thing. It's not saving the world, eh, but like <laughs> choosing to relive and seeing into the future of her, of a very tragic uh, personal family life damn you know like like having like that is that was huge that's that's what i'm there for i'm i know i've seen yeah. save the world movies yeah, but yeah but then it goes another step further where it's like does she the when she decides to share that gift that she has gotten from these beings like that creates more sadness for her because she ends up getting divorced and but still knows that she's gonna lose her kid and like it's mm -hmm. just yeah yeah, divorce um, I, isn't always sad, though. I just want to just like shout I agree. Out. This one, I agree. Like, but divorce from Hawkeye is sad. This, yeah. this, one, this one seems sad because it was based around, you know, having to tell him that their daughter was going to die of cancer and like that, that, yeah. that moment. And, you know, the, the most sad possible, like he couldn't take that information. So he left and you see them being cute. I kind, kind of and like sweet and kind of really clicking on some level. And and he's not even like overtly, um, you know, sexual or flirting with her or whatever throughout mm -hmm. any kind of part of the movie. Like, it's not like you're like, oh, this these vibes are correct because or yeah. these vibes are like romantic. These are like, yeah, platonic, I appreciate um, that about it. Yeah, no, it's yeah. professional. It was like a professional yeah. and, and you know, it, God, it just how meant. many movies have we seen where it's just like shoehorned in of like. Oh, he yeah. makes the oh, the kind of not so good comment there. No, but he's kind of rakish when he does it. And, yeah. yeah, they don't do that weird ah. thing where like they hate each other at first, or like yeah. you know, or they immediately yeah. like fall in love and are married. Like, right? Like right. You <laughs> like, think it's headed there though, because like the first comment he makes is kind of snide, and you're like, oh god, here we go again. They're gonna hate each other, but actually, these scientists and the linguists are belong together. Blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. uh, I will say that his his back rub, he rubs her back at the very end. And I'm like, have we established that's OK? I know she just yeah. got like booted from the alien spaceship. Yeah. And, and it's like, what's like, up, Joe Biden? And they've been working closely <laughs> yeah. together every day for what is it? Months at that point, too. Like yes. Yes. How much time do you think passed mm. between the first contact and when mm. she like they were a lot? Because like how much and, and this is like how much time do you think the United States government or any government would be like, yeah, that's. We'll give you this amount of time. Wait, the United States government or any government? The United think, States I mean, government, I give it like five days. The every, yeah. any other government, I give it, you know, uh, you know, maybe a couple months of, of back and forth. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, how long does it take aliens to learn a common language with us? You know, like, I think less than six months, but I think at least two, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think two, 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 two and a half is, is a good. I mean, it's funny because, you know. I do think this film would have been better if it had been given 
to a Korean director and just been a Korean film. Like if it wasn't American, like everything else is amazingly believable and wonderful. But or if it was like a Chinese film and they were like trying to get the Americans to stop well, the war. If it was a Chinese film, it'd suck. But I love Chinese films uh, because they are okay. bad. <laughs> oh, OK, OK, OK. So, yeah, let's stick with Korea. So that wrote the original um so this is based on a, a book called uh, or a novella called um story of my life and it's written okay. by uh ted chang who's a um i guess his parents had emigrated from china to taiwan during the the ccp um like revolution and then went to america and i think he was raised in like port jefferson or something but um dude i gotta be related to him my mom's uh maiden name is chang my whole family's chang yeah. c-h-i-a-n-g so i'm gonna reach out we're gonna be as we whole. yeah his, his is c-h-i-a-n-g too um but so it's kind of interesting i think that's an interesting um background to come from uh too like politically Wait, jeff long island because china china plays um yeah but okay. china plays i think so heavily in this movie as um it seems like an adversary, but then the last minute, you know, she changes. She uh, she Stephen Crowder's it and uh, changes the, uh, the the general's mind. <laughs> and um, and I I think that that's kind of a really beautiful moment in in some yeah. ways where he's like you know like because he feels like he was um, ideologically yeah. or um, I guess nationalistically uh, inclined as much as he was, and then all of a sudden he realizes you know we need like a, a global one world government and some or. Or some version of that, I think, is the end point of this movie because he's like, well, he calls it the unification. But but this moment where he's kind of, you know, after we've been um, after we've seen that he's the first one to react, right? He's the one on TV. It's not uh, Xi Jinping or anybody, you know, any Chinese leader in particular. It's him as a general that's on yeah, TV. Yeah, which, which is a, a thing that happens it. in certain countries where like a general will have a a major political position. Um, and everybody else kind of follows around them, but usually not a country like China, you know, yeah. usually not like a, a, uh, a power like China. It'd be more like a, a you know, like a, a smaller country, like, you know, um, um, you know, like, like in South America or something like that, you know, uh, and it's a general that we put in there. Yes. After, after we over there, democratically elected government, mm -hmm. but, um, no, so I thought that that was a really, I thought that was a really beautiful, um, scene i think and then you know finding out that that's kind of his background it's it's, it's interesting um there's a very i i feel like a, a lot of science fiction movies do this but there's kind of like a um an acknowledgement that once we know that there's other beings in life out there kind of these boundaries these borders and these governments and kind of the rivalries that we have on earth kind of become a lot less important and it becomes possible for us to kind of unite as a human race rather than you know as a country here and a country there that all have different interests because we realize our interest is staying alive on earth um, <laughs> with, you know, um, however many other species and beings. And they never really ask that question. They're, they're, they're never like, Hey, are there other aliens out there as well? Which is, they, they ask like, like um, I think it's funny that like it takes until like half an hour into the movie for um, Hawkeye, Jeremy Renner to ask the question, like, um, you know, to, to ask the question at all, like, what do they look like? Like he's asked like, Oh, how did they get here? How do they travel? Can they go through yeah. a mountain? No, but like all these other, <laughs> all these other. How much questions. can they bench press? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what are the exact specific mathematic? Uh, what's the exact specific mathematic equation for space travel? Can you ask them that? And then half an hour later, it's like, um, what do they look like? It's like, dude, this is the first time you've thought to ask that. Like you didn't, you know, they pick you up and everything. And so it, it's, it's interesting that like they pick the, I think the two nerdiest uh, characters as, as the like front runners, right? Like in the beginning, he's like um, talking about how she had written that like language is a common uniting uh, factor. I forget the exact quote that he uses, but 
Um, then he's like, but that's not true. It's math. Like, <laughs> yeah. Right. I think also maybe this slightly off topic, but like on the way they look, I remember there was an interview uh, with the director who talked about how he just wanted them to be like really huge. And I, I think maybe Francesca used the word elegant yeah. <laughs> earlier to describe them. It was like these enormous, but like peaceful sorts of entities squid but they look like squids <laughs> yeah yeah it, but, it, it it feels like an underwater creature like a glorious huge like yeah. underwater creature that you'd only see like in deep water or something and like, also nice. like yeah. but like the babadook too didn't they look like the babadook but with a hand <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> so creepy i did think that like it is this is like in jurassic park like having ellie and grant but like no I'm remembering them. No Jeff Goldblum. Like, no, there's no Jeff. There's no. I didn't actually miss a jo Jeff Goldblum character. Which <laughs> it's the first movie we've done in a while that hasn't had him. He, he was in like four <laughs> movies we did in a row, which is kind oh, of crazy. Yeah, he was in all three movies. That we've, or no, he wasn't. Well, he wasn't an alien, but he, he wasn't was, an alien. He was in the last. He's great, movie though. I he like is great. He's all right. He does a lot of like. <laughs> He'll he's he's a, someone who's had a somewhat of a career and the rest of his career is like I'm Jeff Goldblum. Ah, yeah. and you're mm -hmm. like, okay. You're See, but I'm Jeff Goldblum. You, remember ah. when I was Jeff Goldblum and that Remember thing? remember when I when I when I talked uh uh slowly and 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 my sentences all seemed uh uh, very yeah. deliberate and they wrote that into the script and uh, uh -huh. everything around me was just, you know, it, it's, uh, it's 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 coming together. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think he's there, like, kind of as comic relief in Jurassic Park, but... Exactly, exactly. And there is no comic relief here. Yeah. No, it's um, not. It would be weird, I think, to add that in. in this <laughs> yeah, Abbott, Abbott... What did he do? Abbott and Costello are supposed to be <laughs> comic Jeff Goldblum. Relief, and they never yeah. do anything funny. Like, tell some jokes. Yeah. Like, you know... Mm -hmm. Honestly. <laughs> yeah, Put, like, a not... little top hat on one of those fingers you got. <laughs> now I'm just reimagining the movie, but with Jeff Goldblum, not as anybody else, but just as Jeff Goldblum. And like they're they're doing like that big <laughs> meeting where they're introducing everything and just yeah. being like, and, and we have Jeff Goldblum. Hi. <laughs> is it, isn't what he is, even? Is, he's he's uh, an armor guys. What kind it, of calligraphy is that? Um, like okay, and so this is like my therapist showing me ink blots, uh, and I don't see my dad. Like that's what it would be. It would just be. <laughs> It, it, I mean, I, there's a template for it. Independence yeah. Day, right? Yeah. I mean, that's like one of the, the templates for the Jeff Goldblum in the Alien movie, right? Hey, for his dad Coleman, fuck you. Yeah, and he was the comic relief in Independence Day, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's yeah. right. I had this forgotten is, about is, that. This is a pro-Jeff Goldblum podcast and anti-Bill Pullman podcast. So, oh, you know, like, oh. Bill you know, Pullman remember, was a dick to What did he ever do to you guys? What happened? Oh, he was, he was, he was a dick to me. What do you I, do? Not to me. So, He's nothing but nice to me. He's just a dick to Forrest now. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I, so I worked at a, as Why? a college student, I got to work at a, a film festival, um, like a local one, like Woodstock Film Festival, which is um, like 20 minutes from me. And I got to go around with a camera. One of our classes was we like interviewed people that had had movies in the film festival. And that year's <laughs> big, um, that year's like biggest star that was at this film festival was, uh, was uh, Bill Pullman. And so like, I was trying to, trying to like kind of have this conversation with him where um i was asking him questions but most of it was supposed to be him talking so i could cut it together and not have my voice in it at all and like so i was trying to figure out what movie he was talking about so i kept listing off movies and he's like hey you know the camera's on right can you uh can you edit this part out can you edit out the part where you're talking because you know i'm the one getting interviewed 
and we had had like a nice Ooh. conversation. We had like a nice conversation before that, so he was like messing with me. But uh, my professor, oh. who I liked a lot, that like was teaching a whole bunch of my classes. Every class that I was in with him played that on like the big on like the big monitor or whatever, and played that video of uh, me getting messed with by Bill Pullman. <laughs> oh, how did that make you feel? It was pretty funny, but he got over it really quickly. <laughs> he doesn't like gonna... talk about it. Yeah, we're, we're never going to talk about Independence Day on okay. this channel. Um, <laughs> just so you know. All right. Um, it's so, so get me in now. Well, I remember I, I've listened to, um, I think it was the uh, Conan O'Brien's, the one where he needs a friend, that podcast that he does. By the way, yeah. how dare he? have a podcast that has friend in the title when the name of my band is Kona Neutron and the Secret Friends. How dare he? Yeah. But it's okay. We'll 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 circle back to that one. I think that's an important subject for us to broach. But oh yeah, it's so uh, important. Yes. The, <laughs> um Jeff Goldblum was talking about the way that he speaks, like his cadence, like you were referring to earlier. And it was because he'd been listening to jazz his whole life, is what he said was the reason why he spoke that way that's the most, that's the that most jeff goldblum answer that, yeah, that really is it's just yeah. it it's not a point in his favor honestly i'm like <laughs> do not i feel like like um oh god what's his name never mind come back to me thanks skip are you thinking about david <laughs> company on Saturday Live enough? as jeff goldblum on jeopardy no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, whatever. Back on track. So I think something that's cool about this movie is that it does at least broach the topic of what would be a unifying factor to get all of the various countries and people of the earth on the same page. And I think this is actually probably best expressed in the comic book of Watchmen. Mm. Uh, maybe not so much by the Zack Snyder vehicle uh, that I think is amongst his best works, but not so that much. Uh, because what it took was there being a perceived outside threat that brought everyone together. And this yeah, is Alan Moore, 79. And we also had to remove the person who could see into the future, which was, you know, just yes. like. To, to, but it, but it, was, it, was a, it, was a, it was a grift. It was sort of like, it was brilliantly conceived by this character who's very, who's very smart and very capable as like, this is the only way to save humanity by like wagging the dog and making an enemy that would bring us all together. So I think it inter it's interesting to have that unifying factor in this film, but to have it kind of like hit in a different way and approach it from a different angle. Cause uh, as you know, I'm not, I'm certainly not a cynic. I mean, if anything, I'm an optimist amongst this group. Uh, but the, <laughs> the thing with that is I've always come to be like, yeah, that's probably about what it would take. You know, that's, yeah, that's about oh, right. This is, uh, this is uh Denny, our good, our good friend uh, talking about. Finally, we don't shows. pronounce his name. We've had like seven <laughs> of his movies and I was calling him Dennis for forever. I'm like, Oh, my bad. <laughs> Hello, my name is Dennis. He's doing all right, Conan. I think he'll, yeah, I think yeah, he'll be he's, okay. He's like, um, so this is, this some is dude a, in a loud jacket mispronounced my name. Oh. <laughs> I, this cannot stand. This cannot stand. I will not let a dude in a jacket like that mispronounce it. Um, all right, so this is this is uh, this is a clip of him talking about the language and technology in the movie, and I, I want to. So I want to um, broach this conversation. I think from that. Um, because I, how many movies really focus on language as like a, as like a unifying factor? Right. Like, yes. There's a, a huge discipline to create the language. I mean, Patrice created a dictionary, and there was like I had piles of documents explaining to me, oh, the 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 language, and that for me was the most beautiful thing, to see the level 
of detail and passion that Patrice brought to the project was insane. Which I wanted the language to be almost frightening. And I wanted the language to be very impressive. I didn't want something that can relate to any human language, something, a language that is coming from another way of thinking. Martin came with uh, that strong idea of those circles, abstract circles that looks almost like coffee stain. I think maybe the idea came from there. It's one of my favorite things in the movie, <laughs> how she developed that language. I feel that civilization is very more fragile than ever. I think that uh, says things about how our communications are weaker and weaker are uh, uh, afraid of the others we are more than ever even the more we have communications the less in communication we it seems we are and that's what uh, one of the topic of the movie patrice made a huge research to make sure that all the equipment that will be used by, by, by the military will be as accurate as possible as simple as uh, un, non-spectacular i know I, I didn't want the, the the humans to use technology that didn't exist i wanted them to them to use what is available today the answer of that research, it was like astonishingly uh, uh, shocking because if you talk with aliens, you will use a whiteboard with a, a marker and say, hello. So it's like, there's not a lot of ways to to learn language, to express language, to there's, it, it, at the end of the day, it's like teaching to kids. And Bradford Young, I mean, for me, was a massive discovery. I mean, I personally, uh, as a filmmaker to work with him, I, I thought, I was seeing the birth of the genius. The guy is really hypersensible. We created an approach for the movie uh, that we call dirty sci-fi, which means that we were trying to create the feeling that this was happening on a bad Tuesday morning, like mm. when you're a kid in a school bus on a rainy day going to school and you dream looking at the clouds, you know, and, and uh, going away from the scope of the huge movies, you know, going away from the flares, from the spec. We were trying to make something delicate uh, in the light. It brought a lot of humanity and beauty to the movie. Mm. Hell yeah, dirty sci-fi. That's what's up. <laughs> I, I want him. Oh, I just want him to like read, exp just like read me bedtime stories. Like yeah. <laughs> that, that, that voice is yeah. so good. That's nice. <laughs> That guy's awesome. I, I, I like legit. I have not seen a film, and I've seen almost all of his films. I have not seen a film by him I don't like, and that includes the Blade Runner sequel. That I'm like, what? No, why make one of the sequel to that? Yeah, don't yeah, do yeah. it. And I still liked it. I still liked it, and that's without he, hearing him speak it to me. It's awesome. It's also Sometimes. nice to hear. You go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say it's nice to hear a filmmaker kind of also uh, explain others the talent of others and like give credit to the other people and also explain the aesthetic so spot on. Um, it's difficult to explain aesthetics like that. And he did a great job. It's exactly what it was. That's why it felt real. It was like, yeah, the dreary Tuesday morning when aliens landed. Was, I love that. Yeah. She's going in to teach a class. Right. And then everybody's yeah. like, well, where the hell is everybody? And they're like, uh, turn on the news. <laughs> and it's not and it's not like the way that it's not like the way that like Jeff Goldblum or somebody would do it where it's like you know uh, you kind of feel like uh, turn, on, turn on the uh, no uh, like no not that part no <laughs> it, no but like you know sometimes people will describe aesthetics and you can tell like they're kind of just being pretentious about it like you know what I mean where they're like oh um uh, you know it feels like a, a Tuesday afternoon when, like you don't get that feeling you get the feeling like oh no this is truly the aesthetic he was going for and the best yeah. way to describe yeah. it is like um you know, through, through like that kind of, um, that kind of feeling, which he also says is like his favorite, um, his favorite days as a kid. Cause he could just sit on the bus and he could read and, you know, nobody would really oh. bother him and he didn't have to run outside. This is, um, 
because that was cut up pieces i think of longer interviews i found like a, an interesting video that's like like 16 minutes of different cut up interviews where he's talking about it um yeah. but there was a, I, I there was a longer say, one I, that i listened to today where it was that one and he said that he liked that he could just sit on the bus and read and nobody would bother him and he didn't have to be forced to like go outside and run around on the playground like he could just kind of be quiet and be himself and you know so that was a that was a cool uh i guess addition to that i also appreciate the fact that you know he, he described the aesthetics like that because like um uh i, I watched uh, when we watched um uh at astra i watched a few things about like uh, you know people talking about colors and these were not artists talking about colors and they're like assigning meaning to colors that make no sense to an artist. <laughs> like, you know, uh, you know, cause colors really more or less coincide with emotion and they're getting the emotions wrong. And it's like, what, what, what do you even do? Dude, no, no. Like any artist, they like, they're, they're colorblind painters who actually understand this theory and, and they, 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 uh, have their colors arranged so they can, uh, use the colors uh, uh, so wonderfully like, like look this up it, it's it's amazing um be, because they they, they uh, pause this show and look this up yes yeah <laughs> no they, they express colors in a way that that uh that that's so raw because they understand technically what the colors mean but they don't understand visually how the colors look because they're seeing everything in black and white they're making mm. an aesthetically good painting in black and white and then you see it in color you know it's just it's amazing uh it's it's like one of my favorite things um there's there's several colorblind artists who work like that. And, and you know, uh, color theory is very important and, uh, uh, you know, in um, visual mediums like film, like comics uh, or, or whatever. And, and to understand, you know, um, I, I like the fact that they didn't necessarily use it. It was, it was a lot more washed out with the uh, diffused light of the rainy days, um, which is a, uh, uh, I talk a lot about diffused light. It's, it's not, um, as you can see, those uh, sharp highlights on um, uh, Forrest's face, uh, for example, that's because he has direct light shining on it. But the softer lights, like on um, uh, my face, for example, because I have a light shining directly onto a wall, which is shining back on me. Um, I, have heard, I, have, I have two of like those a boss. as well. Just, <laughs> I, have two of, I have two of those as well. It just looked weird. It, it like changed my skin tone because they're uh, like, you know, they're extremely fluorescent. So I had to put this light up and. Don't don't come in my lighting setup. I have like five. No, no, I, right I, there's no shade. <laughs> He's coming for it. He's coming for your oh, lighting. Oh wow! No, no, I was just trying to. You, you know, see the harsh, disgusting light of the <laughs> forest's face. Shop angle. I think I'm doing Werner at this point. Yeah, um, you are. It, 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 it's a jerk Southern Germany. Yeah, or Quebec. It's even worse, I think. The harsh, um, unfeeling nature of the light plays upon the sorrow <laughs> across his face uh, i just also want to say it, it's something you see in a lot of his films like enemy which i i think is fantastic with the jake gyllenhaal it's so purposefully kind of beige and sort of just mm. like absent of, of any like you know and it's for a very good reason i don't want to spoil the movie is it more beige than do but well, technically, that's a desert planet, so no, that wouldn't really be possible. But the lighting I'm talking about, because you're talking about lighting in terms of the, yeah, yeah, but with all that. So I was trying to yes and uh, for that, but, you know, what can I do? I just want to say Sicar Sicario sucked. I, was, I said it. It sucked. Like, the directing maybe was okay, okay but I thought it fucking sucked. Uh, mm. I really didn't like the story. I like the actors, kind of. Um, I obviously love... Uh, what's his bucket Benicio but Emily Blunt I just like I'm tired can I not like em 
I don't want to like Emily Blunt. Like, stop. Legally trying. not allowed. Just, yeah. I know. I know. She, she was in fucking, you know, the jungle ride or whatever, the jungle cruise. And I'm supposed to oh, like her because right. she's with The Rock. And uh, I don't like Emily Blunt. I'm never going to like Emily Blunt. Stop trying to make Emily Blunt happen for me. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Erica, didn't you have say something you wanted to say about 17 points ago? <laughs> Uh, I'm still I don't know struck which one by that was. Emily Blunt thing. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I do like I do like the coming like, up next week. Emily Blunt. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> hey, maybe, maybe, maybe she uh, she and John Krasinski um, film all those film all those movies. Uh, the the one where everybody's uh, silent now. Now it's slipping my mind. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Jack they filmed them all. Oh, Quiet Place. They them all yeah, the well, she's also in. Um, uh, Edge of Tomorrow, which which we are gonna watch. Wait, I'm, I'm, I, I was I'm, just gonna. Uh, I was actually typing finish, the DM to, to be like, this, I'm trying to finish uh, this specific Quiet Place thought. They film it. They film it. Um, like down the street from my house, on the street where my dad used to live. Um, like uh, that that bridge that they're walking on at the beginning of it. That bridge is is literally like a five minute bike ride for me. It's on the mm -hmm. rail trail in New Orleans. So maybe one one day maybe I'll run into her and be like, hey, I have a movie podcast. Um. <laughs> You know, yeah. do you want to do you want to come on? Because I ran into uh, our buddy Francesca. Don't watch the arrival. <laughs> <laughs> I, I ran, ran into Chris Hayes. I ran into Chris Hayes like five times on that bridge this this summer. I kept oh, running wow. into Chris Hayes for some weird reason. Why is he hanging out on a bridge? What's what doesn't? I don't know, but he was there. Maybe he was there on MSNBC is disappointing him, and he's just thinking about jumping. <laughs> yeah, skipping so stones or something. That moment. Like, oh wow! Save, save Chris Hayes and have him come on the show. <laughs> I was gonna say that. I was actually typing a DM about, to Francesca about, so sorry for trying to get you on edge tomorrow. I didn't know that you and Emily Blunt were not besties. <laughs> no worries. No worries. <laughs> I love that movie, but I almost love it in spite of like Emily Blunt and certainly in spite of Tom Cruise. I think that that movie is great, but we're not talking about that movie. We're talking about this movie, which is objectively better than edge of tomorrow, but also different. <laughs> Thank you. Which, which Amy Adams is always good, but I haven't robbed robbed from the Oscar for this movie. I might I, add. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I will say this is this is she's always great and stuff. I just never like like she doesn't always never grab me in a way like like you know there's a difference between mm. like like the reason why I like bad movies so much and why I keep bringing up Stargate is because like I enjoy people chewing the scenery, <laughs> and I enjoy mm. Jeff Goldblum doing that. Yeah. Um, but but uh, anyways. Um, you know, but you don't have that in these kind of films, these kind of slow burns, which, um, you know, uh, right. when, when I was dissing China earlier, there's actually some great Chinese films that, that are like this. Um, uh, and I, I do highly recommend those, just not the 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 um, uh, the recent fare because it's all been very uh, controlled by by the Chinese government. But like if you go back in time, um, uh, uh, Yamao. Um, uh, I'm, for, I'm forgetting his name again, but uh, mm -hmm. he. Well, it's uh, okay because Francesca disses on Emily Blunt. You diss on an entire country, so yeah. it, all, it all works out. Yes, but I keep reviewing their movies on my other channel. So, right, right, exactly. He's got to got to got to have some fodder for your for your channel on there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, Forrest, did you have something a clip you want to do? You yeah, show, I mean, right? um, so this is from the the roundtable <laughs> that uh, they did that year. You know, they have like the actors roundtable where they all kind of talk about the movies and sometimes they do director's round table. This is the one that Amy Adams was on when she's talking about um, working on this. And I thought it was, I mean, it was, it was definitely, it was really sweet because she really seemed to like working with Denis as a, as a director a lot. Um, 
And yeah, so I, I felt like this was an interesting yeah. one to play. I don't know if it was just starting late in the industry or not, you know, coming from a small town, not feeling educated and suddenly being around these masters of industry and people who were so well read and so worldly and wanting to receive from them so much, but feeling like I couldn't give back. Feel that with Denis Villeneuve on arrival? Um, Denis is very, he's, no, he's, he's somebody who, um, I think I've, like I said, I've kind of grown past that. I, I had some experiences, um, I think being a mom helped me a lot. I think I, 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 that helped me kind of calm down in myself. But, uh, but being, um, but with Denis, he is so wonderfully compassionate to actors on set, which is so not always the case. He created this very calm environment in which to allow us to have these silent moments full of breath and full of awe and full of wonder and full of confusion and conflict. And his direction never felt like condescending in any way. He was always like, um, I, this is my bad French-Canadian accent, but he's always like, I deeply love what you have shared with us in this scene. <laughs> you know? And I was like, he deep, you know, and then, then of course that actor thing happens where then he's like, one, one day he's like, we can move on now. And you're like, no, 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 no. We, let's go until you deeply love. He's like, it's, this is a shot of your hands, Amy. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, but aside from that, he, he really, um, he also has developed a lot of really wonderfully complex, true female roles. And that's really, um, I'm not saying that's unique for a man necessarily, but it the is. way he does it is yes. unique. I know. <laughs> um, but he, he allows women to be smart and tough, but at the same time, uh, you know, vulnerable and confused. And he allows this all to exist. And um, it's just wonderful working with him. Did you get more interested in, in aliens from doing that film? Um, <laughs> I'm pretty interested in aliens, I mean, I guess, but not, not really. I, I became more interested in human nature. I mean, for me, it's how we relate to one another. That was the theme in the film that kind of surprised me. Because um, when I first took it, I, I, I really wanted to do it because he wanted, uh, when I sat with Denis, he said, um, I, can't do, I can't talk about Denis without doing that bad accent, I'm sorry. <laughs> but he said, uh, uh, yes, there would be aliens and there will be all this world stuff but at the end uh it is mom it's a mother yeah, there you go it's just a mother telling a story to her daughter and that like kills me and that got me and i said let's do it let's <laughs> let's do it and i thought what male what director male or female has ever sat me down and said this is a story of a mom telling uh telling the story of her life which was the original title Oh yeah, I've, I've, I've got oh. so much respect for for that woman, man. She's awesome. Like, I think this is the movie that led me yeah. to believe that, like, was like, oh, she's she's really cool. I've kind of maybe been underrating her. She's great, things. but like, this was years ago. I mean, she's Amy Adams has been amazing, and then yeah. she was in Hillbilly Elegy, and I was like, fuck. Yeah, that no, that's, fun, everybody. Fuck. yeah that's like that's literally like I, I think that's like the worst movie I've ever seen. Yeah. I, I've seen some like bad movies and I've been able to like um, kind of suspend disbelief or kind of find something positive to say about the movie itself or like really like, you know, um, take myself out of it, I guess, long enough to kind of make it through. Even if the movie has like bad politics, none of that. I made it like 40 minutes in and I like kind of just rage quit. And I was like, I'm not watching this. 
Will you remind me which movie this is? What's Hillbilly Elegy? Oh, I haven't God. seen it yet. I haven't seen it. I love it? bad movies. It's uh, it's written by J.D. Vance. Um, okay. You know, sort of. <laughs> taking, taking a hit. Wannabe right wing um, star, superstar, uh, but initially was sort of like came onto the scene as a writer, as a like, I'm just representing, you know, like stories of racists. Um, no, he was just like, I'm just representing, <laughs> like, you know, working class, you know, yeah, hillbillies or, you know, re so called rednecks, blah, blah, blah. And everyone was like, oh, okay, cool. That's, uh, that's. And then he just became, went full throttle, like oh. Trumper, even though he was critical of Trump initially. Um, and he's running, I think, for Congress. He's or, running for Senate in Ohio. Senate. If I remember yeah, fantastic. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Was, Zoe Bell in was Zoe Bell in that movie? I don't know if Zoe Bell was. I know that um, uh, Glenn Close was in it. Right yeah. as the as the, but it's kind of a. Oh, okay. It's, it's uh. It's, it's literally this movie is literally um, and they do this sometimes with documentaries and they do this sometimes with other things, but it's a politician origin story, is what it's really supposed to be, and it's directed by uh Ron Howard, and it, it's oh. really like the story oh. of how uh JD Vance pulled himself out of like up by the bootstraps and had the sad life where his mother was a um, where his mother was a a, a drug addict and his grandmother was trying to keep it all together, but she was like this rough salty woman and you know the grandfather was just kind of quiet and yeah. all these tragedies happened and somehow he pulled himself up by the bootstraps and left his community behind and went to Yale and then of course <laughs> yeah he had to <laughs> okay as one does sure <laughs> I, I, yeah, I Yale know is he full doesn't... of those people Yale he, is full he goes of those to Yale things. and then he doesn't <laughs> know like, he doesn't know what fork to use and he doesn't know like all of the all of the ways to talk to people and he's just like this uncultured uh you know, guy from from the Midwest that doesn't really know yeah. what he's doing, and so then of course he runs for the Senate, which you know you know. <laughs> There's so much deeper, but but I but we should talk about Amy Adams, obviously. I mean, yes, I, please. We could means. go back. Yeah, no, she's fantastic. I mean, yeah, that movie way better than Superman, Not whatever she was in. But I wanted Man. to ask you guys because it's like the it's so crazy her decision. Obviously, the big twist in the film that makes it special even more so than having a linguist as the hero, but that, you know, uh, all these things that you think are flashbacks, which is of her daughter dying are actually visions of the future visions Flash of forwards. seeing the future. And then she decides to do it all again, even though she knows that she'll get divorced and her husband and uh, her daughter will die. Which, um, which is the part what? that got spoiled to me, by the way. I know. I could imagine that. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's like, there's not a lot of other stuff to, to latch onto. Um, uh, I was actually trying to give this movie like, like time to, to like go down the memory. But, um, um, you're giving and, this movie so time. I watch it with fresh eyes and uh, we're doing oh, this episode. And I'm like, to be a, fine, fine. To be a fun. <laughs> Whatever. You, you wanted to give this movie time. Never mind. Um, <laughs> let him get it out of the system for us. Let him get out of the system. But yeah, <laughs> no, no. So, so like, like, I, I was actually uh, hoping that this movie would have a little bit more than just that aspect to it, well, uh, you know, um, and, and it it didn't, which is fine if you were watching it for the first time and hadn't had the movie spoiled for you. But if the movie was spoiled, like it was for me, um, could you could you not just enjoy the ride, even though someone had spoiled it? Thank you. Thank you. I was yes. trying. I, know. I was trying. I just was kept thinking, like I think Alan Moore did this better. Um, you know, which is not a good thing to think. And, and so, like, like I, I really, there's a lot of good things to say about the movie, and I, and I think I've said a lot of them. But like, 
I, I feel like there was a lot, uh, there was, um, because of the fact that like, that's the whole like emotional core of the movie, what was, was ruined for me. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of other stuff to really grasp onto, uh, for, for that ride. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I think the ride's pretty interesting. I, it kind of, yeah, I, I don't agree with that. Yeah, I disagree. Yeah, okay. Yeah. No, that's I think like, it's, a, it's a really accurate... I'm the villain here. I'm the bad guy. No, no, no. no. <laughs> the the bad guy. <laughs> would, by the way, it'd be really funny if uh, being on like a Twitch show and every time like people disagree with you, if you just went into full like, oh, I guess I'm the bad guy. Like, uh, like a, I don't know, like guilt tripping like Italian mom or something. You're like, oh, I guess, you know, just kill me. Just stab me right in the heart. No, but... <laughs> or I could just be like uh, Jimmy Dore and just call everybody a corporate shell. Mm. <laughs> but, um, show. No, I, I think that there's a lot to latch on to this movie because it's kind of um, uh, very procedural, I guess, right? Like it's showing you how we would react, um, at least in in you know the the you know the screenwriter and and the director, like how they've decided that we would react to this threat. And it's very, um, you know, I mean, the military is involved, scientists are involved. Um, since they've landed in twelve places, then we have to do some kind of form of uh, international cooperation. Like there's all these different aspects to it that I think you can latch on to that are extremely interesting. Um, I think personally, I, I don't and, think the other things that latch onto have as much depth as the emotional core of the film. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, the emotional core of the film is the deepest is the deepest level of it. But I mean, yeah, I'm just saying, like in terms of enjoyment, there's a lot of things that I enjoyed about this movie. Yeah. Andy, we get it, you vape. Thank you. I like that. Okay, uh, <laughs> I was just gonna say that. Well, I think it goes beyond like, oh, now she just now she sees the future, but it's like that that quote that the aliens. Uh, from the aliens that there is no time and the humans are like, that means, you know, dis destruction is imminent, you know, like, uh, whereas they, what they actually meant was there is no time. Like time is a construct that you've made up and like time and is a flat circle. Yeah. Yeah. And the doctor is the only one. Who I was thinking, like, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The doc the linguist is the only one who like really gets it somehow. And then, what if, what if like time isn't linear, man? And like, you know, these aliens are just trying to, they've come down and they're just, they're just trying to, they're really just trying to tell us, you know, it's all bullshit. It's all constructs. We've created all. <laughs> I like the concept though. It's, I, no, no, I, I, I do too. I mean, it's when, when they, yeah. when they dropped that knowledge on her, I was like, oh shit, I'm glad they ended the conversation first. Cause I was like, girl, that is enough. It's yeah, like yeah, it's playing a game of telephone. <laughs> You know, and and someone like just keeps on talking, and, blah, 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 blah. and you're like, shut up, shut up. I'm not gonna remember. I'm not gonna remember. I'm gonna just, just shut up. You know, it's like, it's like, it's like, but that's exactly what it is. Like, come back down and be like, um. So they say like time isn't just like a construct in our head, bro. And like, if you just understood, and everyone's like, we, what are you talking about? Like, dude, you had to be there. Yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah. That's exactly right. And and so I was like, ah, I don't. I, I'm surprised that anyone did listen. I mean, they didn't listen to her, right? They were going to plow th forward yeah. with it, whatever stupid plans to yeah. use stupid terrestrial weapons. <laughs> um, but then she got on the phone and when she got on the phone to the Chinese uh, general, I was like, what the fuck is she going to say? Cause I'd be like, um, 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 yeah. time isn't real. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, but, I, but in Mandarin, does, I don't know if any of you <laughs> feel like uh, I would love to know how you guys feel. Like I have a little bit of a hard time with the leap of like, okay, so if they're not listening to her, but this 
but only this one guy that she contacts and says this stuff to, and he decides to believe her for whatever reason. And then like, because China's a more progressive society. Because yeah, China's a more progressive society. Who, like, they listen, the they listen to the women. End. And he's like, wow, this is a, this is a, no. <laughs> but that's, no, but it's yeah, interesting. Cause you're like, what, like, what would, what would it convince you? You know? And it's like, if, if there's yeah. something that would convince you, I don't know if there was something that would yeah. convince me, but saying the words of the, your dying wife back to you, that's pretty good. Yeah. Well, and also like the part I had the most hard time with wasn't that so much. It was more the like this one woman. Yeah. She's of high status. And yes, she like contributed to the world calming down and like being saved or bring being brought together. But like one woman writes one book and then the whole earth is in unity. Like, yeah. Does that seem like a bit of a leap to anyone else? The, the thing that feels like a leap, I think, in that also is that, like, we have uh, we have climate change coming into, like, imminently. You know what I mean? Like, we have destruction from that coming. I, we're not going to last 3,000 years. So, like, the idea that, you know, just the knowledge that, like, time isn't real. And then all of a sudden, like, somehow unifying everybody together. And everyone, like, suddenly the world kind of, like, decides it needs, like, a one world system kind of of some kind. I mean, at least stronger than the UN, you'd assume. And mm -hmm. so, like, you have all these thoughts. And then, like, but then we still have climate change coming. Like, what did the aliens yeah. not... Did they give her any information to stop that? Like, were, were they fighting the other aliens from the arrival with Charlie Sheen who were giving us oh, the Oh, God damn it. <laughs> so, God damn it, Andy. What do you uh, think Earth does? I mean, this is interesting. It's like we never get the sequel because the sequel is boring, supposedly, when yeah. like people get along and everyone's used it, using a new language. Boo. Um, yeah. Boo. But like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what do we do with this? I mean, so she immediately she can read it after looking at it for long enough. Well, what are we talking, Erica? You were like two and a half, three months. Suddenly she reads it. And she writes this book. She's teaching others how to read it. And so then what are we what is humankind doing with the knowledge that time is a flat circle and it doesn't actually exist? Like, and we've got a new language. They what the fuck said, are we? We're just gonna use that to like so, so do I do a trade I, I, war with each other, but in the past, I feel like it would take more than one book. Yeah. So, if if I may, I actually have a theory and some thoughts yeah. about that. And Love to hear that. I, I've been thinking about this since Forrest you brought that up, which I think is a very like you know some might consider it a plot hole, but more of like a plot point. I think of like wow, it's you know wouldn't really solve everything. I think the awareness of not just repercussions of reactions, but everything being like one long string and everything affected might lessen the self-interest of the people that hold back actual things like progressive change uh, for climate. And hey, maybe don't skull fuck the earth so you can make a couple more billion dollars. Uh, and, you know, you could also say like, well, maybe they brought, you know, cold fusion and as well this and that but i think just the idea of a, a mindset change right a mindset mm -hmm. change of like first of all we're not alone let's start with that and then also like again people that everyone just, just needs to get in their sigma grind set you know what i mean hustle people hustle that culture. change of change of mindset is everything people Sorry. that just are constitutionally <laughs> incapable of thinking of another human being or having empathy of any kind would have like some ember of like a dying fire of like empathic concern 
based upon what they've learned, even out of only their own self-interest, that that could light a fire that maybe mm -hmm. that's the book is like the catalyst for. But it's mm -hmm. not because the I mean, it isn't like Sutter Cannon in the Mouth of Madness or something. You know what I mean? It's like it's like the book is just like it, it comes along at the right time and, and sparks that idea and, and sparks that ember of empathy that comes. That's my theory. Well, I think that you're like, I'm meant to be like a beginning. You thank know? you for giving like, my TED talk. <laughs> maybe I don't need to make that big leap because it's just like, well, here's how it kind of gets started or whatever. And then. People yeah, think you need the solutions. You don't need the solution. You just need to get people thinking about the questions sometimes. Sorry, Francesca. Yeah. No, no, no. I think you're yeah, right. I mean, I think side. what you're describing is the the actual impact of having visitors from outer space come and literally just give you a gift and leave and just that ex collective experience. I mean, we all know what happens when you go through a collective experience, right, guys? It just mm -hmm. brings us closer together and nations work together to distribute resources equally. Um, like, let's say, I don't know, a, a pandemic and like a, a vaccine, you know, and it just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, no, but I think that's what you're naming is kind of like that moment of change where you're like, oh, fuck, look at that incredible species from another planet came here, did this for us. We had a moment. We all had a moment together. Mm -hmm. But I'm also like, what is in that language? Like, what is why give humankind the gift only they, they did it actually in a very self-centered way. They're like, no, no, no. See. I'm going to give you this so you can help me later. I don't give a fuck about you. <laughs> we, need delivery we, system for us. we need yeah. you. We need you to save us. You're going to save us. So, I mean, it does that, that does though kind of flatter the human sense of uh, like the universe revolving around us as a species, right? Like yeah. somehow whatever we do 3000 years down the line kind of saves this whole entire alien race somewhere else. And it's like, wow, humans actually were important. When every scientist really kind of tells us, like, you know, you don't really matter. Like, think about how, you know, we're one little species on one planet, you know, in one in one solar system, in one galaxy, in the universe, and everything is so small. And, you know, at least at least these aliens are saying, like, you know, 3,000 years down the line, you're going to do something for us that's really going to just save us. And we're mm -hmm. kind of giving you, like, this tiny little pick-me-up right now so you can get through this uh, this funk, this human, this human um, midlife crisis that you're going through, I guess, like <laughs> as an entire species. And, you know, then you'll save us down the line. Don't worry. You have a galactic, uh, there's a galactic purpose for you to be here. That's so great. I yeah. like that. There That's is actually nice. a scientific uh, name for this, for this midlife crisis. And I completely forgot what it's called. And, and uh, is that part well, of your midlife crisis that you're forgetting the what, yes, what the... <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, there's like this theory of like why why humans haven't found uh, uh, you know other you know haven't met other uh, races just yet, and and part of it's because like they keep killing each other through war is is the theory. Um, so, so is it called like Earthanesia or something? I don't Maybe know. Like... Um, but there is a certain heliocentricness to this film that that uh, do they call uh, it? Do they call it Corvetica? See, we're we're buying a collective Corvette. Yes. That's no. <laughs> I, I, I don't remember what this is uh, hey. called off the top of my head. It's just, it's completely escaping me. But there is, there is uh, some kind of scientific theory about this. If you, if you watched as much sci-fi and talked as much shit as I have with actual scientists. Um, I, I used to go to conventions whenever we left our houses and uh, we, we would actually, you know, go on panels and discuss things uh, like this. Um, sometimes drunk, which was a lot of fun. Uh, and 
Uh, yeah. Panel, panels discussing things drunk sounds like this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What, a, what, a, what a stretch. I have been stone sober every single episode of this podcast. Um, <laughs> I drink because of this podcast. <laughs> I am a lot. But uh, anyways, the, 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 the heliocentricness of, of uh, the film, where, where it's uh, thinking very much as, as humans being the special race, is another thing that you see in a lot of um, uh, television sci-fi like Stargate, like uh, Star Trek, like um, uh, Babylon 5, uh, where, where like it, it's, it's because of humanity that the universe can come together. Um, and, and I did kind of roll my eyes at that because like I, that's been done so much, uh, even though they don't say how uh, in this particular one, uh, where, whereas like, you know, Star Trek, humans created the federation and blah 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 and i mean this movie kind of this movie definitely like yada yada yada's world peace like the the yeah. seinfeld thing where it's like you know we're, the aliens are gonna land they're gonna we're gonna learn their language um we're really gonna understand it yada 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 world peace and then it's like that mm. that that seems like and, a big and big, i think <laughs> that's really where where, where where my problem with my saltiness is coming in from from uh uh is that yada 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 all right well I was you want to see on to that uh, you're gonna see more of that story. Yes. And but but I mean I guess uh, the counterpoint to that is that you know um, Denis isn't really telling that story, and the you know the the author of the book, uh, the original novella, yeah. isn't really telling that story. They're kind of telling the story about how we've all kind of come together, and since uh, that's the story itself, it you know they don't think that the world peace part is as important. It's kind of just um, I guess you're looking at like a, a, on an emotional level, it's kind of this catharsis and this moment of like you know, um, true change within the self that, you know, we realize that we've learned this thing that we, that we didn't understand before. And, and we're kind of at peace in that moment. Um, and the understanding that like all these things that, you know, are happening are happening, not on a, on a linear, uh, they're happening on a nonlinear timeline, I guess, so that we're moving between, you know, the past and the present. And, and, just, and it's not linear the way that we thought it was. It's actually, you know, all these other dimensions that, I don't know. I sound like I sound that's like a lot of that's a lot of fodder for climate denialists, dude. That's just like, <laughs> um, the aliens wrote that time isn't real. Ergo, <laughs> polar ice caps actually have more ice than they did. If you think about it, no, but no, you're right. I think that's that's real. I mean, that's that that's true. I think the other thing I love about this film is like, why haven't more alien films centered linguists? It's straight up, it's like when, when they, they lay out the premise at some point in the film where it's like, how do people communicate? It's language. And you're like, yeah, of course it's language. That's the number one thing. And then I think homeboy uh, Hurt Locker says something like, no, it's fucking sci your scientific method. And it's like, no, it's not. It's language. Yeah. It's well, totally language. He straight language. up says it's math. He's like, it's math. You know, like Fuck off. <laughs> well, if you go to these uh, sci-fi conventions, Every single scientist. God damn it! Tell you, every single scientist <laughs> who you talk there will tell you their division of science is the most important science. <laughs> um, and, and so, like that, that scene just kind of made me chuckle because you know, really, we all know it's art. <laughs> no, sure. I think we all know I think it's stand-up comedy. Duh. Well, we, like we all just put a mic out there. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry. Um, she, start, she starts doing fucking start... stand-up to the two uh to the two aliens and they start laughing. It's like laughter, the universal language. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Erica, it's the mu it's music. It's music. Yeah. We all know that humans are emotional beings and we make decisions based on emotions. We're not really that logical. 
So like, it makes more sense that language and communication would be more universal than math. Hey guys, what was the bird about? Did that get explained? <laughs> oh, it was, was that oh, a it was, it was to test for gas, right? Or like some kind of yeah. Yeah. toxicity. Yeah. Oh, wow. Literal canary in the coal mine. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, the, the original yeah. canary Something in the coal really mine. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the, the original canary in the coal mine thing is like, supposedly they're like the most sensitive to um, all kinds of toxins and gases and stuff. So they would send the canary down there to make sure that the mine shaft was safe for everybody. And so, like, in the same way, assuming that, you know, the, the conditions for uh, life changed or, you know, there's some kind of toxin that we didn't know about, they assumed that the canary would die first. It also just made for a really um, aesthetically creepy, uh, I think, you know, thing to be hearing over and over again because it wouldn't stop, like, chirping. So, like, that's kind of a, a almost musical, I think, um, aesthetic choice. Yeah. Yeah, because if they well, brought some kind of machine or meter with them, that would not have been... <laughs> I mean, that may not seem as creepy or something. You like, heard Denis. He didn't want any kind of technology <laughs> that did not exist. We have, we have I just think, I just think <laughs> that people use their iPhones too much. Know. And I would like to make a movie about how if aliens came, we would no longer, you know, be on our iPhones. We would just mm -hmm. talk to each other once again. Right. <laughs> we would yeah. not have an app for this. We would have a canary instead. <laughs> what if? Yeah. What if fucking? What if that's what the? That's what the language tells them. She writes a book, and the book is just like delete social media off your phone. Like, I bet there are at least ten books that have been written who said that. Say that. Yeah. Yeah, but have they been written after Aliens Land? Is the thing. You know what I mean? That's the well, moment that we're ready to hear it. We're ready to hear that we no longer... All came out it after depends if you're ready to accept the truth about the aliens and the U.S. government <laughs> covering it up. They've all been written after 1947, so... What does is, what is Esperanto think about this new language? How do that, does that language work They're with super this? Pissed. Hell God yeah. damn it, we have the most obscurest language. <laughs> and then Klingons get mad at that. Yeah, yeah. So, and then Klingons get mad. So, if I may, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind also had them bringing the birds with. And I remember distinctly because I saw that as a, as a young boy. And I asked my dad about that. And he gave the same explanation. And that was actually one of the most horrifying things about the movie to me is that they would put a little bird at risk for something along those lines. <laughs> Additionally, Close Encounters of the Third Kind is the only other movie I can think of that uh, is a like a first contact movie where language is vital to the story. And in this case, it's a musical language. Yeah, but it's the only other one that I really can think of. Maybe there are other ones. I don't know, but it's certainly it, it's effective in that film, uh, despite its very long running time. Uh, yeah, they use the birds as well. Conan, Thank your you. Wi-Fi is really is really bad. You're, you're speaking in full robot voice. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I I think that using language, I mean, it's kind of like a no-brainer too. Like you think like, oh well, because a lot of movies, Aliens Land, we either completely understand them or we don't understand them at all and like that becomes kind of the storyline this is it's interesting definitely to try to have communications like they're trying to communicate something non-violent uh something you know peaceful mm -hmm. to us that they're trying to give us a gift and we're like a weapon holy shit like you know what i mean like and i also yeah. found it i found it ex extremely mm -hmm. interesting um when she's talking about how uh the russians and the chinese are speaking to the aliens and using um like game words um, you know what I mean? Like, so then everything is like lose, win. So then their mindset, all of a sudden, once again, Sigma grind set. They're out there. Uh, 
no, like there, there's suddenly thinking about things in terms of losers and winners, which is, you know, kind of leads you up to the, the no, no zero sum game moment for her. Right. I would say um, there is another movie that kind of touches a bit on communication, which is Enemy Mine, uh, which begins with oh, a yeah. war between uh, Earth and another race. They they had to Star Wars the shit out of it at the beginning where they start off with a space battle. Uh, but the whole war began because of a miscommunication. And and that's uh, the, the whole movie is basically um, uh, there's one human survivor and one alien survivor uh, played by Lou Gossett Jr., um, on this alien planet, and they have to survive together. And it's it's a fantastic film, uh, very underrated. Highly recommend it. I mm. saw that on a rainy day in school. the The teacher thought that was an appropriate movie to show it to sixth graders. I saw that the same day as The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. Okay. <laughs> I need these on a list. You guys have a, you guys have a list. You have a you have a website. I can look at all the list. The rec the recs. Andy, um, we, we we don't have one no. yet, but we, we definitely need to get one. Um, yeah, I, I was talking about that recently. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. Uh, yeah. I just I just make pretty pictures. I don't know how to do web stuff. That's okay. And talk about and talk about Stargate as much as possible. Yes. <laughs> so, um, while while Conan has good um Wi-Fi, um, <laughs> I, I think that we should do we so we do these letterbox one-liner uh reviews mm. and um. Conan, do you want to do you want to intro it? I would love to, Forrest. Thank you. So, Letterboxd is a social media site ostensibly for people who are fans of film and like discussing film with other people that are fans of film. Uh, there is a feature where you get to review movies, and this isn't a something that major movie reviewers are doing. This is a bottom-up democracy. Everyone gets to have a say. So, for the bit for this show. I pull the ones that I like that I think are the funniest, the pithiest, the most, uh, you know, weird, hilarious, et cetera, et cetera. Usually like one line or so. And uh, just give a, give a smattering for what the people are saying about the mm -hmm. movie. That talking about. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Everyone. Amy Adams. Johan Johansson. Am I a joke to you? <laughs> Johan Johansson is the, is the guy who did the sound design and the soundtrack. As a point, as a point of reference, and after, Thank and after you. this, I have a I have a sound design one that we can do as a last clip. Um, sound design in this, I would thought by this point I would get the chance to talk about sound design, but we talked. Yeah, about well, I pulled the clip for you, and then completely. I don't oh, fantastic! Know. All right, fantastic. That's Leland Face Palmer, as Owen Wilson would say. Wow, <laughs> wow, wow, That's Lucy, wow, wow. That's Lucy wow. with that one. Good one, Lucy. I was watching this in class on my MacBook, and my friend turns and sees Jeremy Renner on the screen, and she goes, "Is that Gordon Ramsay?" That's <laughs> these aliens are fucking Almost. useless. That they one got liked. They can't even cook an egg. Two hundred seventy-two people liked that review. Yep, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of Gen Z right there, being like, oh "Is that guy Gordon Ramsay?" Oh, anyway, five stars. Yeah, but you'd think you'd think that you know Jeremy Renner is in all all the Marvel movies. Like you'd think that they'd know who that who he is at least. You know Maybe. what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean he yeah, was credited Marvel's as Jeremy Hawkeye in like half the films he's in. <laughs> we don't have world peace for two reasons. Number one, we won't let Amy Adams solve all our international issues. And number two, 
We don't let Amy Adams win Oscars when she clearly deserves them. Mm, nice. Yeah. Mm, that's is those, truth. <laughs> those aliens are definitely throwing a sweet ass rave up there. That's Diamond Bull. Yeah. That they would, like that would be really. <laughs> it would be a really funny movie. Like it would be a really funny movie idea if like um, like it was just like fucked up aliens landing just to chill out. Like this is their chill out planet, and we're like, what are the what do they want? Is it peace? Is it war? Like freaking out, and the aliens are just like, dude, like we just need to you know chill out for a bit, get our get our shit together. We're we're hanging out here, just you know, leave us alone. You are a pretty there, view. Like, That's it. I think this we're not even going to come down. The, 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 the uh, Amy Adams gets in there. There's like a group of teenagers, like dressed up in like neon out, you know, uh, and, and like the, the, those those big uh, parachute pants, and and they're all like dancing on ecstasy, and like, what's going on here? And the aliens are just like, whatever, man. We're just here to rave. I think this I want to say or person forgot that one of them dies during the movie. Yeah, well, not all okay. raves in well, Erica Strout. So. <laughs> All mine did. <laughs> this movie sure gave me some unrealistic expectations, but I guess I don't fully regret my applied linguistics degree. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's staff. That's awesome. Well, that's okay. So the, like linguistics, like there are people who like focus on languages and translations. And there are people who study like, like Amy Adams character, the doctor, like the history of linguistics and of languages and of communication so they don't necessarily speak a bunch of different languages but they understand like like the evolution of it and like how they work right we also yeah. walked right past the point where uh she worked with army intelligence at one point to translate a bunch of stuff so that they could give uh that information to rebels and and you know in in uh i mean assumably somewhere in in around iran because they said um yeah it was it was that it was i forget what that language is but like um, but they, they kind of like she worked with fucking Farsi. army intelligence. It was Farsi. 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 Yeah, yeah, Farsi. Yeah. Um, so they worked with she worked, so I don't know. That's kind of a it started a dark point for me, I think. This movie. Yeah, wait, yeah, wait, wait right. a minute. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We throw a blanket on it. If I was voted <laughs> supreme leader of the Oscars this year, my first order of business would be to retroactively give Amy Adams best actress for this performance. That's it. Hmm. I agree. This film is Stanley Kubrick's <laughs> illegitimate child. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to disagree on that one. Well, I mean, I, I feel like Kubrick would be one of the people that would think about um, language and like, you know, uh, commu communication. And like, I do think that the way that the way that he writes movies or the way that he wrote movies was very similar to the way that um, Denis kind of did. But, but he would also make Amy Adams physically exhausted. Uh, to the point where she couldn't yeah. stand, um, yeah. uh, which is like, you know, what the movie was trying to do, but you never quite got that feeling. The two aliens are gay. Prove me wrong, Sveth. <laughs> no. <laughs> Baller-ass alien movie. So much different than your usual alien movie. <laughs> What's a usual yeah, alien movie to this person? <laughs> what is a their usual alien movie, do you suppose? Star War, like know. a Star War, probably a Star one of the War. Star War. <laughs> All right, so Go this is Star War. Um, before, before <laughs> anyway, so that's to... so, so. Oh, can I ex exude the bit? Yeah, uh, follow yeah. moving at extravaganza on Letterbox, which is ostensibly just Forrest, uh, Kona Neutron. I'm on Letterbox as well. Uh, J. Andrew World's on there also, and uh, yeah, and, and I'll be making go. a list for Francesca. 
Um, yeah, do it. Yeah, Are the, I, your best sci-fi picks. I want them because I I do not. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I haven't watched enough of them, and um, I'm bad at seeking out good sci-fi films or films in general. Um, so I was really happy to have an excuse to actually just plunk down and watch this whole thing start to finish. All right. Um, so Conan, yeah. this is I'll, the, I'll throw this some is Chinese the films on for you. This Do is it, the, please. This is the sound, the sound design clip. And then after Conan talks about sound design, we can go to final thoughts and, uh, close out the episode, but I do want to well, give let Conan Erica talk about sound design. Cause I really want to hear her thoughts. Yeah. Well, we'll have a community, we'll co a conversation. We'll communicate, speak the same language, <laughs> figure out that time isn't real. And, uh, it'll be a dialectic. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Let's see. Oh, one of the one of the most interesting things about the movie was the music. Uh huh. So, what what was that process working? With? How surprised were you? Because that was you know you, obviously as a writer you can't really always envision the music. Well, like you can understand, Johan Johansson is just a crazy Icelandic bastard. Like he is amazing, <laughs> um, and the way that he and Denis work is kind of like how like. Um, you know, I've done one film of my own, and I brought in uh, Ben Walfish to do the, the score for that, and I brought him very early. And thankfully, Denis is the same way, where Johan was doing pieces and score and sending it to us uh, before we started filming. So it's completely different from, like, usually the picture's locked, and you get, like, a two-week relationship with the, with the guy who comes in and, and does the score. Um, but here, he's just like, I, you know, I have more ideas, and you know, what about this, Denis? And... and um, and he's oh, like so many play there is a track somewhere on this score that's an audio palindrome you play it backwards and it's the same tune uh, uh. um there's other stuff where he he went in an analog recorded a piano and he got rid of all the attack and just left the decay uh and then he, and he integrated that into a, a bunch of other elements in order to create um a very unique sound so that you couldn't differentiate between his score and sound design around the heptapods. It's, mm. it's crazy. Yeah, and a little about the sound mixing, because I found the sound, you know, typically sci-fi movies, big, big explosions, big explosions. I was I was fascinated by the silence in this movie. Mm -hmm. You know, it seems like even with Amy, especially when the bomb goes off. Right. You know, because you, you, you know it's almost like the anticipation of the explosion sure. is more painful. Yeah. Uh, and even the firefight is off camera. Right, and only like a little in the background. Yeah. So that was, was you, that's something, again, one of the parts of the screen, the sound guy going in a direction that I surprised me because I would expect it a more big sound, actually. Well, I think we all knew that like, that's not this movie. Mm. Mm. That's right. Go get Armageddon if you want that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I kept thinking that that guy kind of looked like um, Glenn Greenwald's illegitimate brother or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> You're seeing him everywhere. Uh, he, he finally blocked me. He finally blocked me today. So yay! Oh my, my god! Welcome to the club. <laughs> and, and the weird thing is, it's like, uh, was it last year? He said really nice things about you. Yeah. No, he said Aww. nice things. About he knows last year. month. Was it this? <laughs> I don't know. That pandemic time. Pandemic yeah, yeah, time exactly. is like you know longer than uh, he was saying nice things about Ben. I think I was just kind of uh, it was like you know, Ben and Forrest. Yeah, because you were there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What did you, you you're say? You're catching okay, the, we don't uh, nice guy shrapnel. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's suck. <laughs> but let's not let GG ruin this wonderful podcast. <laughs> Just like how the other GG would by shitting it up. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Solid. 
All right. So yeah, sound design. <laughs> As opposed sound to GG Allen's. Never mind. So. Go ahead. <laughs> I was. <laughs> Please go ahead. No, no, no it's nonsense. Go not ahead. to not to intercept that comment real fast. Um, yeah. yeah. I was just, I was pushing the GG Allen humor one step too far. Is what the, I was uh, Sorry. The 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 um. So the sound design. Um, rhapsodize about it. Let's hear. Let's hear. Let's hear you guys' thoughts. Um. Uh, Erica, you're on mute. By the way, if you're if you're talking, uh, I think it's badass. There we go. Erica, what do you think? I thought it was very well done. Yeah, I really appreciated it. Um, I love I love quiet movies of like slow builds when they're done this well and like like that. I think that's part of what I love about Alien. Certainly, one of the things I love about 2001: A Space Odyssey. Like, mm-hmm. I don't. I'm still sort of processing as. As a musician, I, I think I'm still kind of wrapping my brain around the fact that there are composers for movies and there are sound designers and like hmm. they're they're doing different things. Yeah. But I feel like for a long time I would have thought that's the same job. But then I didn't really think, I guess, until I started really considering movies and how they're put together and all the storytelling and how you support the, the storytelling like that, like sound like just different sounds that like can evoke different feelings for people um we also learned there's dialogue editors and sound editors and those two jobs are completely different we learned that when we talked to kira rossler about um fury road yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, which is awesome that if you want to sense. learn more about that listen to that episode because it's killer i will yeah that's awesome it's yeah and also it was in black flag anyway erica continue <laughs> no just the more i learn about film and and learning what I'm learning in the industry. Like there are so many, so many different jobs that people do. And like, like I learned the other day, sorry, this is quite off topic, but I learned the other day that there's a whole department of people who are just, who just work on fake landscaping. Like they build trees that are like part real, part fake, just yeah. so they get, they're called greensmen. Apparently they're very serious, but you know, it's like, <laughs> I just, there, I just didn't know, but like, yeah, you're right. And they, they, the mixing of music and sounds, like, I don't really know where I'm going now, but I just think it's all fascinating. I love it. But I really appreciated what they did with this movie. Well, I think it does a good job of encapsulating the sort of excitement and like possible state of dread that would mm-hmm. be in a situation like this where you don't know like what these big, beautiful looking squid guys or <laughs> gals are up to. Like, Rogers. you know. The gorgeous, but Trump, like just these big, beautiful squids. <laughs> we love them. We love our squids, folks. I'm surprised nobody tried to eat them. By the way, like I feel like, like, like oh, this will solve this will solve that one time. hunger. Insert like in certain countries for the entire year. Like, yeah. why don't we just try eating the squid? Yeah, <laughs> Abbott died. They may as well have given it a shot. I know. That's I, so isn't that what the squid up. game's about? <laughs> I'm sorry. Goddamn it! God that was fucked up. So fucked up. <laughs> But it's, but it's also, I guess I, I, I don't know. I think I love that they were squids. This is why I can't eat squid because like they're intelligent as shit. Well, okay. Squid are a little dumber, but like octopi, octopi. Yeah. are yeah. real smart. And so like, it was interesting because as soon as I saw the like hand come out, the little like, you know, uh, I was like, oh, he just read you or like she, or it just read the fuck out of you. It like saw your whole life. It knows like, I don't know that your periods do in two two days like (laughs) right like 
that octopi just knew everything. So it was weird to me that then they had to do the like, you have to learn the language. Cause I felt like these guys know how to speak English. Um, only <laughs> definitely not Portuguese. Cause it's weird as she started out explaining, but never finished. Um, there's also that weird questionable, weird um, there, that is weird. That, I forgot about that. Yeah. There's also that questionable story that she told about uh, James Cook landing and the Aborigines. I guess Aboriginals and and that and that whole thing. And then she's like, "Oh no, I just made that up." Nelson makes the, the, the yeah, point. Like point. A, yeah. But but yeah, it's like a Sorkinism uh, almost uh, that that scene, except like done well because like Sorkin will like half learn something and put it in like an episode of West Wing, and then liberals yeah. to this day still quote it. Yeah. And, and, and like you know, um, yeah, yeah. Or he'll like he'll like find out something really cool about a horrible, horrible human being who did like one really good thing, and like the rest of their their life is just like a piece of shit. And now liberals like completely worship this like horrible person because you know it was mentioned in an episode of West Wing. I, I like the fact that like they had one of those example? like, oh god, I can't even remember the guy's name. But uh, uh, Conan does not have an example. No, I do. I just don't want to hear it. Yeah, oh. <laughs> it's not important. It's not important. But let's just say there's there's a lot of dumb shit and Sorkin stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. That, that's exactly um, yes. That's enough said. Uh, enough and said. and uh, I, I like the fact that like it almost seemed like a Sorkinism, like like, like you know, uh, like, like we were saying before, like this is a very 2016 film in, in some ways, and, and that too, you know, uh, of the callback to Sorkinism. But then, but like, no, I just made that shit up. Um, that that was just that was that was kind of awesome to me. I thought that yeah. was hilarious. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah, Amy Adams, you get it. Like, yeah, you don't need Jeff Goldblum. Well, yeah. and there was a little bit of a, totally, you don't. You're hilarious. She doesn't need him, but, you know. It was, well, it was, at some like point. <laughs> nah. No, but at some point, Jeremy Renner does say something like, ah, we're, we're stuck with all these douchebag, meathead, jokers. I think, oh, these jokers, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, which I liked. It was kind of like, well, as long as we can say the smart sounding thing to convince the dum-dums which sorkin definitely also treats his audience like that <laughs> but in this case i was like pro doing that i was pro like yeah yeah yeah. G give something for the military dudes to chew on while you figure out the real shit that's going on yeah give him a little of the razzle dazzle you know give him the <laughs> razzle dazzle <laughs> all right um I guess final thoughts. Um, if anyone has, if anybody wants to go first, um, you know, if anyone has anything pressing that we didn't get to in this conversation, um, otherwise, uh, Francesca, starting with you, I guess, uh, final thoughts on this. Yeah. I don't know if I would choose to bear a child that I knew was going to die by the age mm. of like 12 or 13. Mm -hmm if I knew it was going to happen. I don't know if I'm, if I could see the future, how about not all that heartache and pain? But then again, like 13 years is not like, it's not like, you know, two years that might be more painful. I'm not sure. I think it's all bad when your child dies before you, but that like resonated with me. Um, mm -hmm. and I was deep and, uh, yeah, that's it. Somebody, someone tagged me in a, in a, tweet when i was talking about um, watching this movie where they had someone that was like their contrarian point to it i guess is like it's kind of a pro-life message that she chooses to have the She'll kid pro -life. yeah fuck off no it isn't come on 
It was another film podcaster that had that as like a, a counter. Who? I'll, I'll fight them. Who are they? I'll fight them. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember. I got your back. I, There's another yeah, film podcast. Wow. Yeah. Oh, gee, thank <laughs> you. Thank you, my favorite person, Francesca. Thank you. <laughs> Never heard of any of them. No. Never heard of it. <laughs> uh, Erica, final thoughts. Um, I guess I'll just build on that, and I mean that the part at the end where she says, um, "If you could see." all of your life from beginning to end, like as a whole entity, would you go change things? And like, I think, I think when people can have perspective like that on their lives, I think that, uh, that brings about, I think less fear for them somehow. And like, Mm -hmm. they can make better decisions for themselves or whatever, but like also just feel more peaceful. Like, I know that fear is a normal feeling for humans, but like, I I don't think we should operate with it so much Mm. as we generally do. I just feel like I love that. I love if if someone could just whisper and be like, guess what? You never make it. Like, like, especially in Hollywood, like, (laughs) you don't do yeah the habituation room it's mostly the podcast that's your career then i could just stop trying i could just stop trying with my life and be like oh hell yeah dude i'm just gonna squeeze out a bunch of kids sorry don't squeeze out if i still have any eggs left and yeah it's very calming if someone could just tell me just like just quit just quit stop trying yeah. I see Sorry, I would I would Erica. run I would no, run to the end. I would run to the end though and I would look I and be like you. how like how do I die? And it would be so anticlimactic to find out like if you were just crossing the road and like got hit by a truck or something and like yeah. you know there's like no meaning to it or anything, you're like, ah fuck. Like I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, uh I can I can I go next then? because uh, I, I kind of something kind of like believe it or not, kind of tags that this is this is I believe the first film that I've seen that sort of advocated for a deterministic future that I was like, hey, that's awesome. And and here's why, because I looked at it like this is a the destination is the journey oh, sort of uh film. And I, I found it very poignant, very profound. And mm-hmm. the fact that she found it worthwhile to do it anyway, knowing the end result, because it isn't about the end result, it's about the path that you take to get there. And I, th- I thought that was really cool. And I thought it wasn't a message I expected. Like most people, was, except for Andy, who had not spoiled for him, which he was about to tell you. Uh, I think that um, it did. It, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, whoa, whoa, what, what? And like, there, sure, there are some threads to kind of get to it. But it kind of is two things at once, this movie. And I think it does an amazing job of tying that together in a very unique way. And for me, it has just as much poignancy, even after you know how it turns out. Like, God, it's just a beautiful ride. I really dig this film. Mm. To be mm. fair, though, it's not it's not her that gets cancer and dies at twelve. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> she sees someone. Like, she sees. I mean, her daughter. Like, it's definitely a profound sadness. I'm not saying that, but it's like also like it's somebody else that she's like. Oh, I'm rich and famous. I wrote this book that's really saved humanity. And, like, <laughs> you think she's like, like fuck this kid? Oh, fuck this kid. Whatever. <laughs> it's it's pretty. The kid comes after that book, doesn't she? The kid yeah, comes think, after that book. Yeah, yeah. So she's already she's like rich and famous, living her life, and then like she's like, well, so, you know, so you what? think the death of a child is not that big of a deal, Forrest? <laughs> I mean, in the grand scheme of things, right? We're just oh, you know, oh, one okay. species all right. All right. on one okay. planet, you know, in one galaxy, in one solar system, in one quadrant of the universe. You know what I mean? So, 
<laughs> wow, you just you it was such there, a beautiful dog. point, Conan. It was such a it was so it was. Thank you, Francesca. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate you. See, now I'm not gonna feel so bad whenever I say wait till Conan sees Terminator. Ah. Let's see. Right. Let's, uh right. it, it is another deterministic sci-fi film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I know what like, Terminator is. I'm just wondering what Conan's going to say about it. <laughs> I think he's just What's a man playing Terminator. <laughs> Wait, Conan hasn't seen Terminator? Conan That's it. Of course I've seen Terminator. No. <laughs> God damn it. Even okay, I've seen cool. Terminator. I've, I've seen Terminator. Who says I haven't seen Terminator? Well, you said you never I, saw a deterministic sci-fi film. and I just I, I've never had one that sort of changed my worldview. As someone who does okay. not believe in future determinism. I, like For me, mm. Terminator is an excellent movie, as is Terminator 2. But they're very much works of fiction, and they feel like works of fiction to me. If yes. anything, they're, they're like parables, cautionary tales, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas with Arrival, I was like, wow. It, it just got me thinking in a way that I hadn't before. And like, whatever, I, I, I saw that much more recently than I saw those films. I mean, God, I saw T2, I was like, ah, stuff blows up real good. Oh, look at that big <laughs> gun, you know, because I'm a dude and that's what we think about. Uh, but this movie actually made, this is the first sci-fi movie I've seen in a long time that actually made me think about fundamental things a little bit differently. Not saying I like changed my worldview or like wrote a book about it or whatever, but like that, that's, that says a lot. Yeah. All right, cool. I think we're gonna leave it there. Um, it's a good place to to end this conversation on a on a on a nice note, on a intensive note, I guess. Um, we're gonna be back on Friday with uh, Children of Men, and we have Hit Factory coming on. It's gonna be a little bit later. I think it's gonna be at eleven p.m. my time because um, you know they have to get off of work and they're in you know they're on West Coast time. You know mm. the the second best time, not not you know East Coast time, of course, being the first best time. And what all yeah, time? No love for what the Central time, time Zone. Duh, also, God damn. time. Also, time is a lie. It's bullshit. Time it is, is real, circle. and it's not linear. Yeah.